Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Truth is not completely truth until you can disseminate that truth you received in the same color you received it without it ending up as a lie in the, in the ear of the hearer. Because you can have truth and start off teaching it, but it ends up as a lie just because you didn't disseminate it as accurately as you received it. And what enables you to come into the accuracy of teaching or distributing truth is the power of repetition. There is nobody here that grasped anything I taught the first time I taught it. It has gotten easier for you over time because you realize that I left a lot of layers for you along the journey. And so if you don't learn to walk in patience with someone you're trying to teach, then you're not grateful for the patience that was commended to you when you were being taught. Because you didn't just get here now. Remember from whence thou came. But that's the power of repetition. So even when you have learned it to know it, I will still teach it to you for it to shift. Here's, here's how it works. The truth of the gospel is in stages. It comes from the place of ignorance to the place of knowledge. When it shifts you from ignorance of the gospel to the place of knowledge, then it must do a further work of taking you from the place of knowledge to the place of revelation. The place where ginosko becomes epignosis. The place where information becomes revelation. The place where knowledge becomes understanding. Does that make sense? The place where you have a working, that's epignosis, working, experiential working knowledge. In other words, a a, a revelation is knowledge you can use. Does that make sense? Knowledge you can deploy to something. Information is not useful. Until you know when and how, where and when to deploy it. Does that make sense? You can be an encyclopedia of knowledge and something's wrong with this thing. And you don't know what well of knowledge to draw from to solve the problem. Then all you have is information that is not profitable. That separates a person who knows from a person who is a consultant. Are you following me now? A consultant has consolidated knowledge about a particular field such that whatever quagmire, whatever, whatever quandary, whatever challenge, whatever snag, whatever obstacle, right? Whatever, help me with English. Challenge, yes. Hitch, hindrance, struggle that you may encounter in a particular field of expertise or study, the consultant has enough consolidated knowledge to mitigate. So a consultant is beyond one who knows. It's one who has consolidated knowledge in a particular field enough to deploy it at any given instance on demand. So in in theory, technically, a consultant is not supposed to study to answer 
a demand placed on him in that particular field. Technically. Theoretically, practically. It's supposed to be some sort of emeritus, if you like, in that particular field of study. In other words, you should know enough, not just to know the body of information, but to know how to take pockets of that information to solve a particular problem. Now, that's why lawyers would have senior principles that they refer to, and they will have legal secretaries or paralegals, both ways. One, let me go up to you for a precedent in this case. Let me go down to a legal secretary or paralegal to investigate every other such trend. Bring it to me and let me find out from my senior principal which of them best suits this particular case. That's how it works. So your legal secretary can bring you a hundred cases in the past 50 years that are related to what you're about to deal with, but it takes somebody higher than you to narrow them down to what is most applicable. Which one had a tighter defense? Which one had the jury skewed in favor of the prosecution? Which of them? Which of them sounded nicer in court than it does on paper? Which of them had a more desired effect out of these ones that somebody else has put together? So you see, it's more than just information. It's deployable information on demand at the snap of a finger. So the gospel, the truth of the gospel takes you from ignorance to knowledge. And it pushes you, the same truth, taught over and over, is supposed to push you from knowledge to revelation. Now, before you look at me funny, Paul starts to write to the church in Ephesians. Let's, let's use that as an example, okay? Oh, what purpose does the law? I didn't forget. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul, an apostle of God, of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. To, in other words, this letter is to the saints. Now picture this letter in today's letter writing skills. It will mean that at the top right hand corner, yeah, you would see um, from the prison in Philippi. Yeah, and then, you know, it may be Paul from the prison in Philippi, his cell room, yeah, and then on the left-hand corner, you will hear, you will see two, if it was old formal letter writing, and you will see a colon, or you will see F-A-O for the attention of, yeah, and then you will then see the saints in Ephesus or to the church at Ephesus. Saints and faithful in Christ Jesus. So who was Paul writing to? Church, right? Consisting of people who have been. The word saints is from the word agios, which means holy and sanctified. So saints is actually a word play on the, on the verb sanctify. Sanctify. A saint is one who has been sanctified. And sanctified simply means to be designated as holy. So saint, 
Sanctify, sanctified, holy are all the Greek word hagios. H-A-G-I-O-S, hagios. That's the word for holy, is the word for saint, is the word for to sanctify, is the word for sanctified. And that's a big deal. Because it means that when you are addressed as saints, it means God sees nothing wrong in you. And so Paul will start his letter to the Corinthians who had two million issues and say to the saints in Corinth, Saints, Bawo, saints, how? By his designation, not by your performance. Second Corinthians, which is his fourth letter to them. Because First Corinthians is his second letter. He starts to tell them about stuff that he's picking up from his previous letter. We don't have the actual First Corinthians. Right? First Corinthians is Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. We also don't have his third letter. So 2 Corinthians is his fourth letter to the Corinthian church. Just like we also don't have the letter to the Laodiceans. He tells them in Colossians, read this letter to the church in Laodicea. The letter I wrote to them in Laodicea, read it here as well. We don't have it. Philippians was his second letter to the church in Philippi. So we are knocking ourselves over just the 13 we found. What if we found all the others? Point is, in his Corinthian letter, he calls them saints. With all their issues. I never get tired of the intrigue that is found in the church in Corinth. Saints. Someone in whom God sees no wrong. Wait, what's happening in Corinth? Call saints, Corinth. God sees no wrong. That's why before or as Paul was addressing the issues, he said in 2 Corinthians 2, for I resolved, verse 3 I think, to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. Does it make sense to you now? So I'm going to deal with these things and correct you and set you straight, but not in order for you to receive Christ. Or not because Christ left you because of your mess. People were, oh, can you picture the Corinthian church and the spirit was still flowing? The Corinthian church, no, sir, go and read it now. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. No. They will pray so much when it's time for understanding. Five people will get up to bring understanding at the same time. That was the problem in the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14. Do you understand? Their problem was too much spirit. And this too much spirit, but by chapter 14, why would there not be too much spirit when by chapter 11 they were drunk? chapters later, you're high. So by the time you add, and the Holy Spirit was still moving among high people. Mind what you say about who you think God has left. That was for free. Drunk or Holy Communion. And the Holy Spirit is still moving and people are still prophesying and people are still interpreting. Chapter 3. The Wahala of Corinth, my God. Hey, whenever I read it, I shudder. Paul, 
Priscilla, Aquila, Apollo, Cephas. Remember all that division? Comes into chapter 3. Everybody's dragging everybody's work. Paul says, mind your work, because your work will be tested by fire. Yes, to chapter 4, 5, 6, somebody's sleeping with somebody's concubine who is in the same church. The man, the wife, the son, the concubine, the wife. And they drag and drag and drag and drag by chapter 15. They're not even sure if Jesus has risen. <laughs> How much more, whether he's coming back again. In fact, others in the same church now believe he has already come. The same church that one chapter ago, everybody was praying the Spirit. And now you're not sure. One chapter later, whether the Jesus of the Spirit is coming or has come or has resurrected. And Paul calls them what? And he says, I, I desire to know nothing among you except Christ and him. So, he calls them in Ephesians saints. All these letters. I've explained to you that saints is Hagios. Sanctified. By what? What was used to sanctify you? By the blood. Basically referring to salvation. The forgiveness of sin. Redemption. Colossians 1, Ephesians 1, 7, Colossians 1, 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Right? That means in a nutshell that these people are sons of God. They are believers. Now, if you are a believer, stay with me. If you are a believer, it means of a necessity you have heard the gospel. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. The gospel. It's only the gospel that saves. Jesus says, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And that's strong enough, even if he stopped there, but he didn't stop there. He says, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father. I give them eternal life. John 10, 28. It's not one of the ways to the Father. So if somebody is saved, hagios, it means they heard and believed the gospel. If they heard and believed, it means they knew it. You're saved. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. Ephesians 1, to the saints in Ephesus. Saved, you, you cannot be saved in the absence of the gospel. Make sense? You can, if you are saved, you heard and you have believed the gospel. There's a reason why I'm emphasizing this. Are we together? Ephesians 1, right? Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us and he goes on and on in him we have redemption through his blood. Verse 7, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And he goes on and on. 13, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with this Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Good stuff. 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of 
wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. If you are saved, you are in the knowledge of him. Now, it is believers, not unbelievers, that Paul is praying. May God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That means it is not okay and not safe to pitch your tent in the realm of the information that saved you. It's foolish to think that you have known all there is to know about the gospel from your gospel teacher. It's very foolish. That's the, that's the worst deception you can allow yourself coming to. That somebody who introduced the gospel to you, you have finished learning all there is to learn. That's a lie that no scripture sponsors. That you may receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being, that means there is a huge possibility that you are saved and sanctified and the eyes of your understanding are not enlightened. So that you have redemption, sir, ma. It's not enough. Oh, my sins are forgiven. That's all you want to hear, baby. You've already been running around and acting like a headless chicken because your sins are forgiven. You're a baby. Because there's more. It is people that were saved that Paul starts to pray that they should receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of their understanding being enlightened that they may know what is the hope of the calling of Christ Jesus. The hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? Now, these three elements are stuff you're not likely to know just when you got saved. You have encountered the forgiving power of Jesus. You have encountered the redemptive power of Jesus. You have encountered the reconciling power of Jesus. But then there is the hope of his calling to know. There is the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints to know. There is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe to know. According to the working of his mighty power. So Paul starts to call the church into the place of revelation. Following from the place of just knowledge. And what is achieving this? The same gospel. So in Romans chapter 1, Paul is speaking to the Roman church. You know Paul didn't lead the Roman church to Christ. It's not all the churches that Paul led to Christ. Just so you know. In fact, when he was writing to the church in Rome, he hadn't met them before. When he was writing to the church in Colossae, he hadn't met them before. He hadn't met the Colossians. People went from him. It's his gospel that got them saved, but not from him. Yes, it was people that left the hub of Paul, having sat under him, that went away you know, I was thinking about some stuff yesterday. And I was thinking how, you know, how foolish and foolhardy it will be for somebody to live here and go to another city or another town or another country and then sit down and start to criticize the church that you left. And you then join a church in the town or country you went to that was planted by somebody that knows much less gospel than you. Your mate, in fact, your child in the Lord comparatively, left their own church that, and they went the way you went. They too went to do masters. 
They too went on a job placement. They too went on scholarship. The many different things that take people away. They too went because they married or got green card or visa lottery or exchange student exchange program because it's the normal things of life that spread the people that spread the gospel. I repeat. It is the normal things of life that spread the people that spread the gospel. It's not the gospel that will move you to a place in that sense. In other words, we don't have to commission you and say we are ordaining you as pastor to Asaba. Go and start a church. No, that is business. Thirty percent for you, forty percent for us, thirty percent to run the church, or whatever percentage we agree. That's business and empire building. You never saw the apostles do that. It was laymen that expanded the church. Laymen, regular people. It's normal people that happen to spread the people that spread the gospel. If the gospel that you have learned will go somewhere, it is the job you are in that will take you there. It's the admission you are seeking that will take you there. It's the marriage you are trusting God for that will take you there. It's the job and vocational opportunity that you are trusting the Lord for that will take you to a place that will introduce the gospel to that sphere of influence that they might not come into if you don't go there. Are you listening to me? So you don't get there, you start making noise. Somebody from another church that according to you knows much less than you do shows up there and he believes what he has come into in his church that you say is not teaching as much as you have been taught. And they start a branch there or a campus there and it's thriving and then you go and join there and you start to make noise there like an eagle in a chicken pen. And you're feeling like a star and you are in a work of much less comparatively quality than what you should have been an ambassador of. And you have mouth to talk. You should be ashamed. So people left Paul having sat under his teachings. And those guys will go out and everywhere they went, they birthed churches. That's how the work spread. It wasn't every church that Paul planted himself. Even though it was the gospel of Paul that planted the churches. Are you following me? Because if they were saved by another gospel, then they were not saved. Because Paul says in Galatians 1, if anybody comes to you preaching another gospel other than what you have received, that means if it was the church in that era, it could not have been the church if it was founded on a different gospel. If they were saved, if it was the church, it had to have been the gospel of Paul. Yet, Paul hadn't met some of them. That actually should be both the joy and the expectation of an apostle. The joy and the expectation of an apostle is that I've, I've raised sons and daughters and I've sent them somewhere because they've gone where they've gone, I've gone. Because I've gone, I'm longing to go. That's both the expectation and the joy of an apostle. Because, as, because somebody has left us. It's their job that took them. It's their scholarship that took them. But it's, it's me that sent them. Does that make sense? They married and had to move cities. But I sent them because they are, they are going as a springboard from the work. They are going as a result, an outflow of the gospel in my mouth. 
So I have every right to expect ambassadorial harvest yes, from them. Yes, That's every right. So if you leave and you're not an ambassador, then just join somewhere. As it means you need to be taught more gospel. That's what it means. It means you didn't learn enough gospel to be an ambassador where you left. That's what it means. If you leave a local church and go to another city or go to another place and settle, what you have said to yourself is, they didn't teach me enough for lights to start here from me. Let me try and rephrase. We, Walter was here in church. We taught Walter the gospel. Walter stayed here for one year, two years, or six months, or, or two and a half years. And then Walter gets a job, and he moves to Cyprus. He gets to Cyprus, and then he's there for six months. And one year, nothing's happening. Walter, as far as the house is concerned, as far as the gospel is concerned, Walter arriving in Cyprus is the gospel according to Pav. Arriving in Cyprus. Such that in a matter of weeks, months, there is two people, three people, five people that Walter has reached with light as he has received in the same manner. And then we start getting emails from Walter saying, Sir, there's a church in Cyprus waiting to meet you. I start writing to the church and sending videos and say, We have heard of your faith. We are longing to meet you and, and impart to you some spiritual gift. Are you understanding Paul's letters now? So, so was driving Paul. And so they are writing back to us and saying, We're following you. We've ate everything on Podbean. As soon as you come off the live stream, we, co- we gobble up everything you're teaching. We feel like we know you, even though we haven't met you. And I write back and say, Yes, I hear of, I'm hearing of your faith. I'm hearing of your good works, and I'm trusting God for a door to be made open for me to come to you. you that's, how, that's how Paul was conversing with the churches. So he was, they were saved by his message, but not by his person. Are you with me so far? So now, Romans 1. I'm showing you Paul trying to move the Ephesian church from knowledge to revelation. By the same gospel that got them saved. So we'll preach it to you to save you and we'll teach it to you to move you from information to revelation. Because the first time you heard the same gospel, it worked a different work. You hear the gospel again, it works another work. You hear the same gospel again, it works another. That's why I said it's foolish for you to assume that you have heard all the gospel your teacher has to teach you. Because every time you are hearing the gospel, it is working a distinct work in you today that it did not work yesterday. And because it's working in new work, you will hear the same thing differently. <laughs> Who's getting what I'm trying to show you? You hear the same thing differently. The same scripture will hit you 50 different times. Because each time it's hitting you, it's working a different work. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. And because you have heard 2 Corinthians 5, 19, 18 times, you feel like there's nothing else they have to teach me. You are very unwise. So they are saved. Romans chapter 1. They're saved by the gospel. Paul hasn't met them. He's looking forward to meeting them. From verse 7, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Paul wrote this when he was in Corinth to them. To all who are in Rome, verse 7, Romans 1 7. 
Beloved of God called saints or called to be saints. To be would be in italics if you have a physical Bible. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I served with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without season I make mention of you always in my prayers. See verse 10. Making request if by some means now at last I might find a way to you in the will of God to come to you. NLT. Stay here in this verse. Let's simplify it. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity God willing to come at last. Because he hadn't met them. But as per, as per verse 7, they were saints. Verse 11. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you, saints, grow strong in the Lord. Are you following now? Verse 12. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. 13. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you. But I was prevented until now. Hear what he now says. I like this statement. I want to walk among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. So now people have gone and walked in Rome. People have gotten saved. Churches have started, but he's still in Nigerian palace. He's still hungry in Paul to come to Rome and walk so that he too can know that he has spiritual fruit in Rome. New King James. Say how New King James was verse 13. Ha, ah, Father. Are you learning anything? Yes, now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as I have among the other Gentiles. You have gotten saved. Churches have been planted, but there's something I'm carrying that I want to impart to you so that I can also make my personal stamp yes. on the churches in Rome. And this sets the stage for his letter to them. He's sort of introducing him. Oh, don't worry, we'll get to topical studies. You know, I keep saying I, I have not started teaching. Yes, sir. All of this is just trying to leave foundation. I'm not started teaching. When we start, when we, when, I, when we start doing topical studies, I will just take a scripture. No notes. I'll just read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 and then exegete. 1 verse 2, exegete. 1 verse 3, ex whatever it takes us, it takes us. 1 verse 4, exegete. Forensic analysis, word for word in context. 1 verse 5, 1 verse 6, 1 verse 7, it just takes us. The word of man of God might be thoroughly furnished, equipped unto every good work. Let me be part of the lazy generation. When we start doing topical studies, you, you will love it. Contextual analysis will come alive in your heart. You're reading scripture, you can know exactly the setting that that scripture happened. You can close your eyes and find yourself in the church in Rome. It's coming. It's happened to some of you already. You're reading scripture. You just, you're reading scripture. You're seeing images. You're reading scripture. You're seeing yourself in the garden of the saints in the early church. And then you come out and look at this church. You understand why it's foolish to be dealing with malice at this time. When people are plumbing deeper depths. <laughs> and so Paul says, I, I long to come to you. 
that I may have spiritual fruit among you. See verse 15, and I've read this scripture before in another teaching. Verse 15, Paul will then say, so as much as is in me, hold up, I'm ready to preach what? This doesn't sound to me like somebody that cares that they have received the gospel. Because if he cared that they have received the gospel, he should be wanting to come and do some other things. Or at least find some other things. Let's do a business seminar. You know what I mean? Let's, let's do a relationship conference. You know, let's do a prosperity summit. How about we try a deliverance, you know, revival. Let's try a couple of prophetic things. I will labor among you. You will hear what I'm coming to you. Me too, I will preach the gospel. I am ready to preach the gospel to you, put it up, who are, verse 15, who are in Rome also. Somebody say, this same gospel. gospel. (laughs) Before you think you know it. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And just before you start to wonder, which gospel again? Next verse. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's the context. You see that now? I'm ready to preach the gospel to you in Rome also. Uh, uh, why gospel again? Uh, uh, are you ashamed? Me, I'm not ashamed though. Huh? Because I told you Paul's method of writing was that he will always preempt their questions and then in his letter, because his letter, it, do you know how long it takes to, for a letter to travel from source to destination? And then, because there has to be a sheep going in that direction, favored by the weather. Come and read the book of Acts. Sometimes they could move at a port for four months, waiting for the weather to change. In fact, Paul tells them when they got to a particular port on their way to Malta, let us stay here and winter here. The captain refused before that shipwreck. Why did the captain refuse? He would lose money. Because we now enter here, this harbor, and winter here, it means that all the goods and all the potential things would have done, all the business transactions would lose them because we have to wait here until the weather passes. Nah, we're continuing this journey. And they ran into the shipwreck. So sometimes it could take a year or two for a letter that Paul wrote to get to the church. So now Paul is writing a letter to the Roman church from Corinth. And first of all, he has to wait that there's a ship going that is going to get all the way to Corinth, or the merchants will interchange the goods and letters as ships are going on. Does that make sense? And that's all of that that is still in hope that the ships don't shipwreck. So, Ma, if you're the one writing that letter, you would think far and wide. What are the potential questions that could arise from what I'm saying? Let me answer it now. In one fell swoop, let's address as much as we can address. That's how Paul wrote. Because it might be a while before they get that letter, read it, break it down, write a reply, send it for him to get it. So two, three letters in one lifetime was an accomplishment in that day. Two, three letters successfully delivered both ways. How was it fit? So Paul will write in verse 15 of Romans 1, I'm eager and ready to come and preach the gospel to you also. And then he's thinking, ah, ah, but we're already saved. Why the gospel again? 
ain't you going to be tired of preaching the same thing again? But, but I know you're saying that you want to come and labor among us also. But won't you be ashamed? That is what you're coming to bring us is the same gospel again. Let me answer it. In this same letter. I'm not ashamed. Now we dealt with this text. In the power of the gospel. I knew this. When I taught you this text. In the power of the gospel. I didn't say it. Because the same text then was working a different work. Romans 1 16, we know it now. Hey, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, God will help you, oh God. Can you see what I'm saying to you now? Yes, sir. I was working a different work. By the time we come back to Romans 1 in contextual analysis, it will work a different work. The truth is not changing. I'm not ashamed. It's working a different work. What is the work he's working now? Giving you a contextual analysis of what Paul was preempting when he wrote, I'm ready to come to you to preach the gospel also. And he said, what gospel now? She said, oh, I, 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 I hear you. No, no, I, I'm, I'm ready to come and preach the gospel to you in a room also because I'm not ashamed of it. It's the power of God. Why would he say he was not ashamed of the gospel and that he wants to come and teach the same thing to them that he might have spiritual fruit among them? Because the gospel that they were already saved by was the gospel they needed to be established in. Romans 16, 25. This is the end of the Roman letter now. I've jumped through. You know what? Romans 2, verse 25. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. 28, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but of God. Romans 3, verse 20. Romans 3, 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there's no difference for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 4, what, verse 1, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Verse 5, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. You notice that these are major texts of scripture, but I'm reading them and just going past because right now I'm walking a different work. Five verse one, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12, therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. But the free gift, verse 15, is not like the offense. Romans 6, 1, what then shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized, were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? 7 and 1, or do you not know that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives? 
Therefore the law is holy, verse 12, and the commandment holy and just and good, Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, 39. For I am convinced that neither height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 9, it goes and starts to deal with Israel. Verse 9 of 9 but this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only these, but when Rebecca also conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac. For the children not being born, not having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, it's not of him who wheels, nor of him who runs. That's context. But of God who shows mercy. Verse 10, my heart's desire to God for Israel, verse 1, is that they might be saved. Verse 9 of chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto Salvation, chapter 11, verse 29, speaking about Israel's repentance, for the gift and calling of God are without repentance or are irrevocable. I mean, 11 noun and verse 29. Verse 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present, chapter 12 and 1 rather, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Have you seen how much Paul is writing? Holy and acceptable, and I'm skipping a lot of stuff just to give you context for every chapter. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor evil, verse 9. Cling to what is good, Romans 12, 9. And verse 10, now be kindly affectionate one to another. 13 and 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For the authority that exists are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God. And verse 14, verse 1, chapter 14, verse 1, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For he, you know, the whole vegetable eating, and all of that, days of the week, one esteems one day alike, another one esteems all day alike. One, let each one be convinced in his own mind for whoever, whatever you do that, do that is not from faith is sin. Right? That's the end of chapter 14, you know. And then it goes in chapter 15. We then who are strong, verse 1, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. 22. For this reason, Romans 15, 22, for this reason. I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, no longer having a place in this part and having a great desire, these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, anybody reading your Bible? Yes, Romans 15, 24. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while. 29. But I know that when I come to you, Romans 15, 29, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Hmm? Then 16, chapter 16, he starts to greet and warns them in verse 17 to note those who cause division and offenses contrary to doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Then he gets to verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Christ Jesus. Hold on. 
Romans chapter 1. He says, I am longing to come to you. That I might impart to you a spiritual gift. He says in chapter 15, verse 15 of Romans 1, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you in Rome also. Then in 16, he quickly explains to them, I'm not ashamed of that gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Now, he has not come to them. He has not preached to them. But look how much he wrote. And when he finished writing in chapter 15, he didn't commend himself and say, now I have unpacked all I wanted to say. He still ends up in chapter 15 saying, see why I want to come to you. So I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. So in all he said, Paul did not regard all he said as the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. That's why in verse 25, he says, now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the hearing, the preaching of Christ Jesus. I have to come and preach it to you so you can be established. By now you'll be asking, come and preach what again, sir? I'm coming to, I need to preach the gospel so I can have fruit among you. I need to preach the gospel to you. You heard the gospel, but you have not heard it. Tell your neighbor, you heard the gospel. But you have not heard it. You believe the gospel you heard, but you have not heard it. And the reason why you are still in church and alive is so that you will hear the gospel you have not heard. In addition to the one. That's the reason why God set teachers in the church. That's why he set, he himself, set these in the church. That's Corinthians 14. That's Corinthians 14. He himself set these in the church. He repeats it again in Ephesians 4. You have heard the gospel, but you have not heard it. Calm down. I'm coming to preach the gospel to you. Impart to you some spiritual gift. That you may be strengthened by the fellowship of of our faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God's salvation to those that believe, first the Jew and the Gentile. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. Then he goes, bah, and starts right. And look at this deep stuff that we are yet to dissect. Because all this meat that we are yet to walk through, and yet by the time he's ending this letter, he's saying, see why I'm wanting to come to you. So when I come, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. We haven't even broken down what he wrote and you're feeling like you know the gospel. Say, oh yeah, I know that verse now you quoted it in that other teaching. No, I didn't. (laughs) Because the working it was doing then was different. And that is why you cannot despise the power of repetition. Yes, Cannot despise the power of repetition. The gospel, the power of the gospel that leads you to where God intends for you to go is only established in repetition. Yes, sir. It's only established in what? Repet- you hear it over and over and over again because each time you hear it, it's doing a different work. At one point, it's doing the work of redemption. It brings you from darkness into light. Then it starts to do the work of, il- the work of illumination, bring you from knowledge into revelation. Bring you to a place where you are stabilized, sterizo. That's the word establish. 
to pick, pick, put your feet so salvation brings you from translates you from dead to here. Translation, right? From darkness into the kingdom of light. So salvation, the forgiveness of sins, redemption, lifts you from here and drops you here by the gospel. When you're here, salvation and the message of the gospel starts to walk in you here to take your roots down. So you're no longer here. You have been translated from here to here. But now that you're here, your roots now go down. And sometimes that down process can take you a very long time. And sometimes all you settle in is the transition from here to here. If you like, you know the gospel, is it not that my sins are eternally forgiven? Is it not that I cannot be lost? No matter what I do. So when you see somebody misbehaving according to grace, grace is not to blame. Their foolishness is to blame. Because they feel like they have known all there is to know. All you just got into was just change of location. Now that your location has changed, the same gospel will start to drill you downward. That's sterizo. That's establishing. And it means to take root downward until you can no longer vacillate. That's the word sterizo. S-T-E-R-I-Z-O, but pronounced sterizo. Just like sozo is pronounced sozo. Sterizo. Sterizo spelled, but pronounced sterizo. To take you firm downward, ground you until you can no longer vacillate. Does that make sense? Now, by the time you can no longer vacillate, you have changed to another place. You have changed to a place where you are now growing upward. By the time you're growing upward, you go from darkness to light in information, information which is knowledge to revelation. Revelation then brings you to the place of persuasion. It is a standing tall man that is persuaded. Do you hear me? Not just someone who is saved. Are you hearing me now? So, uh, I would teach this so someday, some year, some month. <laughs> you understand what it means to backslide? Backsliding takes place inside the faith. Backsliding does not take you outside the faith. That's why some people, Paul says, make a shipwreck. Of their faith. It does not imply that they are lost. Not today. It is believers that have not been sterilized. A backslide. Inside the faith, you are swimming around. Today you are following this apostle. Tomorrow you are following that prophet. Next minute, you're not going to church anymore. Today you are praying. Tomorrow you are not praying. One minute you are worshiping. You are praying in tongues today. Tomorrow you don't feel like praying in, praying in tongues. You are backsliding. You are the one that is sleeping in Ephesians. The Paul says, wake up, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Let Christ shine on you. You think because you have the Holy Spirit, because you cannot be lost, sir, you can backslide. And if you check your life, you have done it a few times already. Son of God, backsliding. Eternally saved, backsliding. Dead and desensitized to the things of God. Not moved by the things of the Spirit. 
Because you entered light, but you didn't take root. So you are that cargo in the ship that each time there is a tossing and it's tossed around by what? Are you learning? Precious cargo have tied themselves down. If the ship tilts, we tilt with it. If it goes this way, we go with it. If it's steady, we are steady. That's where the Lord wants you to get to. If you're vacillating, you need the gospel that saved you to grow you. You need the gospel that saved you to do what? To grow you, to establish you so you're not shaking. That's why Paul will tell the Corinthians, my fear now is that if somebody comes to you preaching another gospel, another Jesus, another spirit, the way you're going, you will accept it. But who was he addressing? Let's learn the scriptures correctly. No. We don't, there's, not, there's, not, there's no such thing as you backslid from the faith. No. It's, you, it's, all the sliding is inside the faith. You're just not in one spot in the faith. You're just being tossed around. You're, you're not steady. You're not grounded in the faith, but you're swimming around. We can't place you anywhere in the faith. One minute you believe you're eternally saved. Next minute you're doubting the veracity of your salvation. You backslid in that moment. And so when heaven is trusting to send ambassadors that can carry the truth, you're not in that list. You're not. There are things God will not do with some believers. Sons of God. There are sons of God God will never use. Ever. Because they will never stare it so enough to become dependable ambassadors for the gospel. You're not in one place long enough. You're not under sound teaching long enough. Your flesh is not dead long enough. You haven't learned to give and persevere in it long enough. You haven't learned forgiveness long enough. You think it's a joke when the person that sold you the gospel of your salvation tells you I buffet my body. (laughs) Put it under subjection. Lest after having preached to others, I myself become a castaway. And a castaway doesn't mean someone who loses his salvation. A castaway is someone who is passed over in time of reward. I told you I was going to teach you a, a, a teaching a while long ago in, in the time to come. God's reward system. When we get there, whenever we get there, I'll teach it. A castaway is not one who loses salvation. Is one who's passed over in times of reward. Because he backslid. Like Jesus, he put his hand to the plow, plow, like Jesus said, and looks back and is not worthy. And so the gospel that saves you, keeps you, teaches you, knocks you in right there until you're solid. And once you come into that revelation, Working knowledge, experiential knowledge, consultancy level knowledge. You then start to spring upward 
And when you spring up word, what does he then tell you? That you might be able to do what against the fire that of the enemy. That you might be able to do what? That you might be able to stand against. Stand. Only someone standing can withstand. Make sense? Only a standing believer can withstand. What happens to non-standing believers? They vacillate. They backslide. They dance around. They are here today, not here tomorrow. They have the joy of salvation today. They don't have it tomorrow. Just around. They, just, they don't quite take root anywhere. They are freestanding. Freelance. And unstable as water, what happens? No excel. Let a double-minded man not think he will receive anything from the Lord. New Testament. And what was he receiving in question at that point? Wisdom. Revelation. Epignosis. Remember, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. But if you are double-minded, don't bother because you will not receive. <laughs> so you hear the gospel again and again and again and again until what shifted you here puts you down. Sometimes people are quick to dislodge before they could take their roots downward. That's why we don't run around after people. If you sit under sound teaching long enough and you open yourself to take root, anywhere you go, you will bear fruit. If you sit around under sound teaching long enough to take root, anywhere you go, you will do what? You bear fruit. Anywhere you go, you'll bear fruit. Because by the time you have taken root downward, any spirit of opportunism that was in your life is dead. Any entitlement mentality by that point is dead. Any carnality and selfish ambition, the things Paul warns against, is dead. So the rains will come and the wind will blow, but your house is stayed on him. Sterizo, because the gospel that saved you has trained you. Gospel that saved you has what? Has trained you. Same gospel. So Paul would write these profound things in Romans and end and say, ah, I'm longing to come to you and give you the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. So neither what you, see, you are saved by nor what I've just written can, can together constitute the fullness. <laughs> So he will pray for them in the Ephesian church in chapter 1. And then two chapters later in chapter 3, he's found praying for them again. He's found praying for the Philippian church. He's found praying for the Thessalonican church and asking them to pray for him. Because you must go from knowledge to revelation and then you must go from revelation to persuasion. So when you hear Paul, Paul doesn't speak out of what he knows. Check Paul's language. Paul never spoke out of what he knew. In fact, truth of the matter is, Paul didn't even reveal more than a fraction of what he knew. Imagine if Paul had liberty to unpack what happened in 2 Corinthians 12. I know of a man. <laughs> Put it up from chapter from verse 3 or 4. 
You say, okay, from verse 1, in fact. Like, you know, this matter of dreams and visions, I'll come to it in a bit. But you know what? Before I even come to it, <laughs> give, us, give us NLT. Verse 1. This boasting will, not, will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. Next verse. I was caught up to the third heaven. 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. But you can say, I could see my body lying down there. And I did like this. And now did like this. And now came out with my back like this. The Lord now took my hand like this. And I could see my body like this. You saw nothing. You went nowhere. Whether in my body or out of my body, I do not know. Ask God. Next verse. Yes, yeah, so Nigeria. Only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they, the things I heard, cannot be expressed in words. Things no human. And you can talk. You went to the 12th heaven. And you can talk. Level 999. You can talk. Third heaven and paradise. No human is allowed to speak. You went to heaven, hell, where God stores the things he uses to torment people. You, you saw all of it. Wow. We worship you. God showed me where he hides this thing. He showed me where he uses these things on the earth. He showed me when... Have you heard those stories? You, you went, you came back. You came back with the master plan of heaven and hell. The cells were seven by two feet wide. Angels were carrying something that looked like fork with black head on top. Basically, when you came back, you can successfully build your own copy. Of heaven and hell in the air. All you need is for us to give you land. I hire a few demons and angels to help your ministry. Because by the time you have seen that much detail, just to construct it. No human was allowed to speak. Just what he wrote. And we have only one letter on record to the Romans. So when Paul ended up there and stayed there till he died, can you imagine how much gospel they had? 
Because the only other place I remember Paul staying for long, was it, was it Corinth, where he stayed for 18 months? Corinth or Antioch, one of them too, I can't remember now. But he, stayed, he went there and then ended up staying there for 18 months, a year and a half. But he stayed under house arrest in Rome, waiting to see the emperor until he died. So imagine the, the fullness of the gospel that the Roman church received. The same gospel that you're saved by is the same gospel you're trained by. And it brings you to the place of persuasion. And that's the place from which Paul spoke. Persuasion. And he uses that word over and over, patho, from the word from which you get the word pistis, which is the word also rendered faith. I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I've entrusted to him until the day of the Lord. Persuasion there. He's saying, I have faith. Not I know. Yes, should have used ginosko. Yes, if it was revelation, he could have used epignosis. He doesn't use anything that has to do with knowledge. When he's talking about faith, he uses conviction. Be instructed, church. Be instructed. It's not quoting scriptures. It's not quoting scriptures. It's not reciting creeds. It's great. It's not memorizing verses of the Bible. It's that have you been grounded enough that this is your conviction? When faced with life, you will stand by what you believe. Until the gospel in your life is persuasion. The gospel in your life is not true. <laughs> the gospel is true. We can do nothing against the truth. But for the truth. The gospel is true. But in your life, it is not yet true until it arrives at the place of what? Persuasion. Not true. You know what persuasion is? What a man believes enough to do. That's persuasion. Not what man believes enough to say. That's intellect. And for some people, intellect sprinkled with little bits of eloquence and oratory. And that's why the average human being would think that because somebody sounds deep. Yes, Rema. Ah, that man is deep. Uh-huh. Because he was preaching from a well. Yeah. So we string words together. That's why Paul warned the church in Colossae against philosophia. Philosophies of men and high-sounding nonsense. High-sounding no- Why is the church deceived by what Paul warned us against? Why? Worship of angels. Fake piosity. Things that Paul warned us against in black and white. No shades of gray. Black and white. And you still fall into that trap. How did we get here? So you believe it enough to talk about it? Eh, you're just smart. You're just smart. You're just intelligent. So before you run around, I'm a son of God. Where's your root? Where's your persuasion? Because anybody can articulate what to say. 
You don't know what happens in the world when your persuasion is on the line. You are living a guarded life. That's why you are misbehaving. Let me see society now where kids can wake up at three, four years old and say, I don't want to be a girl anymore. To be a boy. And in the school, you have to accept them even if their sexual organs have not been changed. You have to accept them based on what they say and allow them to choose which toilet to use. Male or female. I ask you, what kind of conversations are happening in the playground of those schools? What kind of conversations are happening? Because God accepts us as we are. True? Doesn't keep us there as we came. Homosexuality is nothing special. But it's mentioned among the things we were told to put away. Don't make it special. It's actually you people that are making it very special. It's listed among other things now. Why are you making it so big? Because a murderer too can get up and say, you know what, it's it's how I I am driven. I I get the kicks off of killing people. Everybody can claim something. Now people have gotten up and are claiming that they are, they are sexually attracted to children. And if you are, if you are accepting same sex, then you should accept it as a sexual orientation. Have a sexual orientation to children. And now unfortunately, a 12-year-old child can get up now and do declaration deed pull and say they are 19. And your family, your parents, your school, everybody has to accept it. Now, by the time somebody is feeling like, I am naturally attracted to children, and children are feeling like, I can say I'm not a child, the society is in trouble. And you are planning to have five children. Three boys, two girls. You have already drawn it up and given them their names. You have mapped out when you will. Jackpot. By the time you and your children... I know speak playgrounds and PTA meetings. That's when we will know your persuasion. By the time you are faced with a prognosis from the doctor who is telling you what he's seeing, from your response, we will know your persuasion. So the word comes at you again and again and again and again to give you root. So you'll be tossed around. And you'll be counted among the number of those that God can use. Because when the rubber hits the road, it's your conviction that matters. When those conversations start to happen, what are you going to say? You pack up and leave. Up and run. There are arguments against your conviction that you haven't even encountered yet. (laughs) There's people that know the opposite of your gospel better than you know your gospel. I'm telling you. So some of you that are trusting God for certain heights in life, through the matter is you can't handle it. And because God loves you and has given you all things, there are some things that he has given you that he won't let you come into. Because you don't have the root for it. There are certain quarters of power, certain corridors of influence you cannot swim in. You cannot. Because you won't survive. Jesus has one assignment. It's not to prosper you. Jesus has one assignment. 
to present you before the Father faultless and with great joy. If that means there's some money you will not get, Jesus is going to do it. Because the assignment of Jesus, Kingsley, is not to give you money. Is money good? Can you have money? Will Jesus jeopardize his assignments to the Father because of money for you? So the moment where your pursuit of money jeopardizes, he's dropping you before the Father, is the moment where he draws the line. With many tribulations must we enter the kingdom. Are you here? Are you learning? This is the gospel you don't want to hear. Because <laughs> it's not redemption. My sins are forgiven. And it's the gospel, man. <laughs> it's the gospel. His assignment is to present you faultless. And you are not, you are not about to spoil it. Your pursuit for man, or woman, or fame, or influence, is not about to come in the way. It's not. Thank God he's all-knowing. And can get in your way to keep you in the way. Are you learning? So Paul will say, him we preach and we present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's why we are teaching this over and over and over again. It's not a waste of your time. I promise you. So when we meet again, we will see all of this was to introduce today's dimension of what purpose does the Lord serve. this was just introduced to you that dimension of what purpose does the Lord serve the power of repetitious hearing which is why you will go back and find something that was said in the Old Testament so you can hear it again <laughs> so you can hear it again and again and again in many different why do you think God is stupid that he spends many different stories telling you one message I just made my point, right? <laughs> we can close now. <laughs> the point just hit home for somebody. This is one book of plenty repetitions. This book, repetitions. You have gone from one to the other. You actually didn't go from one to another. <laughs> same, same message, different stories. And it's just saying the same thing over and over. The con- like the other day, I showed you the concept of skipping the first to use the second. All through scripture. Who went back to check? All through scripture. All through scripture. Just a book of big repetitions. Over and over. That's why you must be careful what you argue. You must be careful. And that's why some of us don't argue anyhow. Did Noah enter the ark water? Yes or no? Did Noah look like he had an option whether or not to enter the ark? Was he forced to enter the ark? 
Does the story sound like he was forced to enter the ark? That means at any point in time, in the 120 years he took building the ark, he had the choice whether or not to enter the ark. In fact, Noah could have built it and said, I'm not entering. I don't like wooden, wooden enclaves. <laughs> What's the word? Wooden. <laughs> I don't like wooden environments. When you heard the gospel, did you have a choice to be saved or not? To believe? Otherwise, scripture will not say as many as received him. To them, he gave power. Because he came to his own. That's the, the preceding verse, John 1, 11. He came to his own. His own received him not. Do you understand? So, Noah had a choice to enter the ark. Uh, okay. You had a choice to enter the Lord Jesus. Mm. Yeah, sure. You were not forced to enter the Lord Jesus. Uh. <laughs> Noah was not forced to enter the ark. Uh. Mm. Genesis 7.16. Genesis 7.16. You're sure? No, Noah was not forced. Were you forced to believe Jesus? <laughs> How would anybody force you? Is that not so? Exactly. So those that entered, because for those that entered, there were those that did not enter. Those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and now, the Lord shot him in. Does it look like Noah had a choice in this matter? Does it sound like he had a choice? What's the picture that comes to mind and the Lord shot him in? He was stuck there. He can't go out. Now, by force. So the, the actual graphic picture is this. As the last of the animals on Noah is going in, you, you hear a slam that you're not responsible for. And you know the mechanism you built cannot be what shot it like that. Bam! And it's locked. Day one. Day two. This wooden enclave starts to float on water. Noah starts to get a little bit you know, wonky, a little bit seasick, right? A little bit claustrophobic. You know, the hippopos are pooing. You know, hippopos. <laughs> and all that stuff is going on. And the chickens and the doves are spraying all over the place. And by this point, if you were Noah, would you not think once or twice, about at least just going out for a little bit. Could he? Why? Because he is not the one that shot. Not see, listen. The answer is not because God shot him in. The answer is that it is not Noah that shot himself in. The right answer is not that God shot him in. Did God shot him in? Yes, but that's not the answer. The answer is that Noah could not do what he liked because it was not Noah that shot himself in. Do you understand the difference? Between God shot him in, it's not Noah that shot himself in. One places the emphasis on what God did, 
The other places the emphasis on what man did not do. Because man can only undo what man... Do you understand it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's only what man did. That's why you sing all the time what he did. No one cannot do So Noah, say you have mind. Come out, let us see. His, the future post Genesis 7 will show you that those three sons of Noah, most of their head was not correct. <laughs> if you read the chapters following the flood, those boys, Kai, especially those two. Oh God, oh God. Their head was not correct. And I can preach a million messages from that, but let's start with the fact that how were they saved with their incorrect heads? They had to have been saved by grace. Through faith and not works. The head was not correct. Lord's two daughters that they said were virgins. Their head was not correct. Virgins, but they were virginly corrupt. They went and did their father. No, you didn't know. That's how we got the two nations, Moab and Edom. Got their father plastered. And slept with him and had children. Who taught them that other than the fact that sin is inside you from the beginning? Because they were virgins. <laughs> but the fact is, they were not saved because they were virgins. They were saved by grace, not through virginity. Point I want to bring as we close is that since we now know from future texts that the boy's head was not correct, Noah's sons, that means, eh, see, we can safely deduce that at least those two boys went to the door of the ark at one point or the other. Those boys who agrees with what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even if Noah would respect God and Noah would think about his life and go, you know what, I actually spent 120 years building this thing. Let's just see how this thing ends. But those boys, they would have tried it. Brought out their toolbox. See, how did God manage to lock this door? Hey, if I were on the boat, me, as the door is locking and the boat starts to move, I am busy. Not so much to go out, but to find out the mechanism by which this door locked. And it's not Noah that locked it. If there was spoil there, I would have pressed it. Me, Alexander Victor, I will press it. Even if you labeled it with red and yellow spoil. Do not press. Wait, wait. If I press this, do not press. What will happen? Will it really spoil? <laughs> or did they just write it will spoil? What if spoil does not really spoil? How else shall we know? We shall press spoil.
that's why I'm your pastor. I will pray me. I'll press for him. Who, who was with me? Because you see, if you are here and you are saying you will not have pressed spoil, you will not have ever been saved. Because salvation was hidden inside that button. Spoil. In the garden of Eden. Eat here, eat here, eat here, eat here. Don't eat this one. Eh. So if you are here and you're saying, I will never have press point, you are self righteous, you need Jesus. How that press with a press point? So me on that ark, oh God. You are just hearing. That is water outside day one, day two, day three, day seven, day 14, day 20. Rain is falling outside. Everywhere is underwater. We will drill a hole to the side of the ark. We will see that water. We will see that water. So I just get up after 40 days. And just everywhere covered, but I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I'm just unable to go in. No way. We have to. We have to be part of the process. And so everyone must have tried, or at least had a thought of trying. And yet, no one got out of the ark. Now, if Jesus has brought you into salvation, because the ark is a type of salvation, and you had a choice to believe Jesus. Just like Noah had a choice to enter the ark. Now, are you come out of this ark? To believe you can lose your salvation based on what you do is to say Noah was stupid to be stuck on the ark. What you are insinuating is that there were chances for Noah and his sons to come out and they just were not smart enough to take it. But if they explored every way out and there was none because God made sure they were safe. And that's the story of salvation. Then God will make sure you are safe if it means locking you away from yourself. That's how jealous for you he is. So you see, salvation played out from Genesis 1. Genesis 2. Genesis 3. Cain and Abel, Genesis 4. Noah from Genesis 5 into 6 into 7. And then he comes and starts that genealogy with Abraham in Genesis 12. Goes into Isaac, bypassing Ishmael. Goes into Jacob, bypassing Esau. Goes into Joseph, bypassing everybody behind over him. Goes into Ephraim, bypassing Manasseh. And just keeps going. Characters are changing, stories the same, message is repeating. So the message that will give you conviction today is the message that you heard yesterday. It saved you last year. It will ground you last month. It will give you conviction today.
and some more tomorrow. Some more tomorrow. Because it's only when what you have heard becomes conviction, are you ready for life? You're not ready for life. You're not ready for truth until what you know becomes your conviction. Until when you're confronted by life, you stand by what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so we'll pick it up next week. <laughs> we'll pick up this thought next week and explore it a little bit further. But I'm sure you learned a truckload of stuff. Give God praise, what abiding house. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply puts or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.